Greatest hits. I want to share some of the greatest hits, some of the greatest stories of the Bible in these next few weeks. And, and growing up in church, I heard the great stories of the Bible over and over again in Sunday school and children's church. And there's something about great stories. But there's something about great stories that are true stories. The Word of God is filled with truth. And today I, I want to I talk about, I want to I look at uh, one of the great stories, one of my favorites as a child. It was Jonah and the whale. How many remember Jonah and the whale? Just a few of us, yeah. Uh, back then, you know, we didn't, we didn't have uh, videotapes and CDs or, or DVDs. We had a flannel graph. Anybody remember the flannel graph? Come on now. And if you've never seen a flannel graph, I wish I had one. I, I, it, it was like a felt board that had these felt pieces, and you put them up, right? Okay? And, and there was the whale, and there was Jonah, there was the ship, there was the guys throwing Jonah overboard, and, and, and the teacher, you know, she'd have have the fish out here in the sea and, and they'd throw Jonah over. She'd pull him out of the boat and then stick him there and then the whale would come and, whoa, you know, just kind of swallow him up and, and Jonah disappeared. And you're like, oh, what happened to Jonah? And then you realize Jonah's inside, you know, it's like, okay, and he gets out. and Flannel graph. <laughs> it was so exciting as a kid. And, and, uh, some, some have marked this story, the story of Jonah and the whale, as an allegory. But when Jesus walked the earth, he confirmed this story of Jonah as history. I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. One day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. And, and I think of myself at times when I'm asking God for miracles. How do I fit in that? Am I demanding God to show me something so I can prove who he is? When he doesn't need any proving, he's God all by himself. He doesn't need to show you how big he is because he's big. He doesn't need to show off, though he does sometimes, but he didn't have to. And Jesus said, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. 
The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. Jesus basically told the crowd, let me tell you about Jonah, and it's true. And if Jesus says it's true, well, how did Jonah live in the belly of a fish? I don't know. I don't know how God does stuff like that. All I know is Jesus said it happened, and he was going to die and be buried in the earth for three days, and it happened. Come on, somebody. So apparently Nineveh was a great city filled with wicked people, kind of like our world today. We've got a lot of great cities and a lot of wicked people. Can I get an amen? amen. Some of them are in this room today. <laughs> no, I'm serious. We are, right? Because there's none righteous, no, not one. And, uh, and yet and Nineveh got God's attention for all the wrong reasons, of course. So I, I want us to look at Jonah today and, and follow with me, if you will. If you have your Bible or you want to watch on your phone or you can watch on the screen uh, behind me. Uh, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Great city, wicked people. Great city, wicked people. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. How many have ever done that? How'd that work for you? Yeah, I think most of us have done that. And he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. How many of us have bought a ticket to get away from God? <laughs> and that ticket took us places we didn't want to go, kept us longer than we wanted to stay, made us pay more than we thought we'd ever pay. That's what sin does. That's what running from God will do for you. But notice what happened. He was hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish, but the Lord, the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. And fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. And then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. <laughs> Dude, it's you! <laughs> and why this awful storm has come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? And Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, 
the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And I think many times the people around us are asking the same question. Oh, why did you do it? Why, why are you running from God? And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. And instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. And now the Lord had arranged, somebody say arranged. God will arrange all kinds of things in your life because he cares about you. Say amen. Because you know it's true. God's arranging some stuff even now as we speak. You may be on a pathway that, that's going against what God has for you, or you may be on a pathway that's going with him, but he's always working. He's always arranging something. The Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. What kind of fish could this be? Well, some of the guys in our church, Ronnie Bennett, Richie, Andrew, Reinheimer, they were on a boat and they saw a great fish come swimming by their boat. In fact, it made national news. They took a video of it. I don't know. Do we got that video? Let's, let's see this thing. <laughs> 40,000 pound whale shark. 40,000 pound whale shark. They say it's, it's the largest fish in the ocean known to man at this point. Okay? Uh, yikes. Richie said to me, yeah, I was thinking about jumping and swimming with it. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're nuts. Right? I looked up online. The largest one they, they have record of is 68,000 pounds. It's pretty big. It's interesting that the whale shark uh, has very small teeth, and so it would be inter I don't. I don't, again, I don't know how God does things that he does. 
And I don't have to figure that out. I just know that Jesus said it happened, and so I believe it happened. It's in the Bible, and Jesus confirmed the reality of it. And so here we've got this, this uh, huge fish, and Jonah, for him, you know, he was expecting certain death. It's like, throw me in, I'm out of here, it's over for me, I don't have to worry anymore, right? And, and they threw him in, and God arranged a great fish. I always thought it was a whale, right? Because that's, that's what we were taught as kids in children's church. That was the whale on the flannel graph. that went, boom. And, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what kind of fish it was, but it was a great fish. And certain death for Jonah turned into a three-night stay in a very stinky, smelly, cheap, nasty hotel. Um. You can run from God, but you can't hide. In fact, the psalmist says, it doesn't matter where I go. I can't get away from your presence. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I go to the heaven, you're there. You're everywhere. And, uh, and so Jonah chapter 2, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I'm not sure why it took him three days to pray. But finally, Jonah prayed inside the fish, and he said this. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. Anybody in trouble? And he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves. The waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And then the Lord ordered the fish. He didn't order fish to eat it. He ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Now, I wish there were some video cameras around back then. I would have loved to have seen this great fish swim up near the beach and spit Jonah out. It's like, dude, you've been in there long enough. You're making me sick. But he did because the Lord ordered him to. 
And then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Can somebody say grace? <laughs> the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. And then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. I mean, they got desperate. They believed what the prophets said. And something changed. And when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. <laughs> what? And you know, as a kid, I'm thinking Jonah and the whale is just kind of cool. Big fish swallows Jonah and then spits him out. And that's it. Great story. Because that's all I remembered. Kind of forgot about the rest of the story. Which really is what the story is all about. You can get God's attention. You can make a decision that will change everything. For your future. And some of you, God's speaking to you, even as I'm speaking right now and saying, it's time to make a decision that will change everything for the future. It's time to get serious. It's time to fast and pray and seek God's face. Because you may just be on a path headed for destruction, eternal destruction. But you can repent. Start a brand new life. And so this happens and God changes his mind and doesn't do what he was going to do. And, and at this point you'd think Jonah would get excited. Praise God. All these people have been saved. God is merciful. He's gracious. Hallelujah. What an amazing day. Revival has come to Nineveh. That's what you'd think would happen. But chapter 4 gives us the reality. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. <laughs> and he became very angry. As prophets go, Jonah, you're flunking right now. <laughs> what did he do? So he complained to the Lord about it, which is our first response most of the time. 
Didn't I say before I left home that you'd do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. (laughs) Really? Really, Jonah? Are you serious? Is this really all about you? I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. It's all about me. And the sooner you understand that this isn't about you, the better off you're going to be. The Lord said, is it right for you to be angry about this? Jonah went out to the east side of the city, made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. He's still hoping God destroys this place. He's still hoping that he sends down fire from heaven and just burns them all up. And the Lord God arranged. Somebody say arranged. He arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. And this eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. <sighs> I'm good now. I got some shade, got some feeling good. Now I don't have to sweat and get all scorched from the sun, no sunburn. And, and but, but verse 7 says, but God also arranged for a worm. Now, I never really thought worms were from God, right? But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. (sighs) Much better than my blower. (laughs) This, This was a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly, and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry For such a great city. 
Lesson learned? I don't know. That's the end of the story. That's all we got. We got that much and no more. We don't know what happened to Jonah after that. We don't know. We don't know if he got his act together. We don't know if he repented. We don't know. But I learned some lessons from Jonah. I want to share a few with you today. Are you willing? How much time we got? We got another hour or so. Oh, you laugh. It's funny, isn't it? Oh, the poor decisions you'll make when you're running from God. You don't even realize it at the time, but you're, you're heading in a way that, you see, when you run a, away from God, it, it's like the Apostle Paul when his name was Saul, and he was fighting against the church, which is the body of Christ. And he was putting believers in prison. He was authorizing them to be killed. And he met Jesus on his way to Damascus to take out some more Christians. Jesus knocked him off his donkey, blinded him. And Paul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm the one you're persecuting. It's very hard for you to kick against the goads. And I did some study on that. You know, one new, the King James Version says it's hard to kick against the pricks. Kind of a word that we don't associate with godly things. And... Uh, but one, another translation says the goads. And, and I looked them up, and, and, and there were these, you know, that, that ox collar thing, right? A yoke that tied two oxen together. And there, was, there were these, these posts that were behind them to protect the person plowing from them kicking. And the goads were those things that came down. And, and as they would kick to try to kick the guy that was going, ha, 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 they were, the goads were attached to their collar, to that yoke. And so every time they would kick to try to get the guy driving, it would pull them back like that. They were actually kicking themselves. Ugh. Every time they try to get him, they got themselves. Are you with me? And so many times in life, we're trying to kick against God. We're trying to go against what he wants for us. And he's like, if you just stay in the lane, stay with me. I'm working, and I'm working all things together for your good. And I'm working things together for other people's good because you're going to be used by me. And yet we try to kick, oh, oh, the crazy things, the, the stupid things we do, the poor decisions that we make when we're running from God. And it's only hurting us and those around us. Oh, why did you do this? One of the second lessons I learned is God is sovereign for a reason. 
and I'm not God, and neither are you. And that's a good thing. And when God doesn't do what I think he should do, I shouldn't pitch a fit. <laughs> that was a good place for an amen. When God doesn't do what I think he should do, I shouldn't pitch a fit. Because he's got a better understanding and a higher viewpoint than I do. And he knows what he's doing. Another lesson is when God speaks to you, obey him. It'll go a whole lot better for you than if you run away from him. And then one of the biggest things I think I, I've learned as a lesson through the, the story of Jonah is God loves wicked people. Who knew? We thought it was about us, his kids, right? But he loves his lost kids. Just nudge your neighbor and say, it's, it's really all about the lost. It really is all about the lost. In fact, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, God, God is all about the lost, and he, he is desiring for the lost ones to be found. God wants to redeem people. When you finally cry out to God, he hears you. It's another lesson I learned. When you finally cry out to God, he hears you. And some of you today, will, you're going to want to cry out to God before this day is out. Even if you're at rock bottom, Sitting in fish guts and seaweed, he hears you. He hears you even if you're wicked and you don't care anything about him. And he rushes toward you to save you from destruction. He will send someone or something to get your attention before it's too late. And some of you are in a season right now, God's trying to get your attention. He's been knocking pretty hard. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, Go ahead and yield to him. You don't want it to get any worse, right? Or maybe you do. It, it's up to you. But God wants to get your attention and he'll send someone or something to do that. Another lesson that really stuck out to me is that God is more concerned about the outsiders than he is about the insiders. He cares about his lost kids. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories, three parables about lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And it really shares his heart about lost things. The father is all about the lost one. And, and if you've ever lost anything, anybody ever lost anything? You know you're really distracted by the lost thing, right? I mean, it's not like you go, yeah, I lost my wallet, but hey, I've got a TV. Look, here's my TV. 
No, you, you're, you're going after the wallet. Where'd the wallet go? Where are all my credit cards? Where's my cash? Where's my driver's license? Oh my goodness, I've lost. And so you're, you're focused on the lost thing. I heard uh, Chris Hodges, pastor of Church of the Highlands, uh, talk about the day that they lost their autistic son. They were in a foreign place. And their son wandered off, and, and they, they had turned their back. They were ordering ice cream, and all of a sudden, they turned around, and Joseph was missing. Nowhere to be found, and, and he, would, he went to the, the security guard there. He said, have you seen, have you seen Joseph? And he showed him his picture. No, I didn't see him. And, and so they, they spent a long time searching the, the entire area for Joseph. And he said, in those moments, he said, I, I've got four other kids. And I could have said, well, 80% is okay, you know, <laughs> right? Who, who cares about Joseph? He said, no, it, I, I, I wasn't even thinking about the other four. In fact, if they weren't involved in looking for Joseph, they might as well get out of the family. And it, I really didn't care what they cared about at that moment. Daddy, Daddy, we're going to have some food later. Are you going to feed us? Daddy, Daddy, what are we having for lunch? Daddy, Daddy, are we going to go to the park? It's like, shut up and look for Joseph. Are you kidding me? And I wonder sometimes if we forget that the Father is all about the lost. And, and once you're found, you're no longer the focus. Once you're in the fold and you're secure and you're safe and you're growing, you're no longer the focus. It's time for you to turn your focus and help find those who are lost. Touch your neighbor and say, hey, that's good. We got to do this. We got to do this. God's serious about this. Jesus was walking along, and this, this little guy named Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, which everybody hated tax collectors. They stole from you, they they hiked the tax up so they could make some money on the side. And, and, uh, but Zacchaeus, he was curious about this Jesus he had heard about. And so he goes and climbs this tree, right? And, and Jesus comes walking by. And when Jesus came by, Luke chapter 19, verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Apparently, he had a reputation. He called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus into his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And isn't that what happens to all of us? We get to a point where we're in and we're good and that's all that matters. What's Jesus doing hanging out with this notorious sinner? 
what, what, what in the world does he want to go eat with that guy for? <laughs> and so, he, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. This man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. God is all about the lost. In chapter 4, you know, you, you read it again, you're like, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm complaining because I think it's all about me. And I hear so many voices like that. And they go to church every week. It's like, uh, what are we doing for us? Huh? Why? Why, why are you guys going to eat with those people? Uh, we're going to have a fun day for us. Uh. And I'm upset because the shade went away. I'm angry. There's no shade. It's not very nice in here anymore. I don't like it. I don't like these lights. I hate that new set. That's ugh, real distracting. But by the way, those guys did an amazing job on that. <laughs> sound is just, oh, I don't like the sound here. It's too loud. And, and you just kind of hear chapter 4 resonating. You, I want to die because I'm miserable. This is just awful here. I think I'll go to another church. Ew. This one just isn't meeting my needs. I would never give because I don't know what they're doing with all the money. Ew. I don't like these people. And, and God reminds Jonah, hey, hey, dude. Do you really have a right to be angry here? Is this really about you? Or isn't it about the 120,000 people who are lost, spiritual darkness? When God called us here to Chester County, there's a half million people in Chester County, 500 and some thousand and if you lined up everybody that went to church, and I know church isn't the, the standard, but everybody just went to church, you'd have a drop in the bucket of all the people that live just, just in Chester County. Forget about all the other counties around us, just right here. And, and what if God really is concerned about all of them? And I believe he is. And what are we doing to reach? What message has he given me to share? You see, every one of us has a message from the Lord to share. Every one of us. Touch your neighbor and say, you got something to share. Come on, touch him again. You got something to share. Touch your other neighbor and say, you got something to share. You got something to share. Don't keep your mouth shut. Don't keep your mouth shut about what God has placed in you to share. All you have to do is partner with Jesus, what he's called you to share. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 
But you are the ones chosen by God. Say, I'm the one. I've been chosen by God. You're the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. We're all priests. He's called all of us to reach somebody, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to somebody. You're chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments. He wants to play on you. He wants to use you to bring some good music. Come on, Matt, where are you at? Where's Matt at? Matt, get up here. Play me some music. God wants to use you as an instrument. I'm serious. Come here. Play, play some licks. Quick. Hurry. Run. Run. Yeah. Do some of that stuff you do before practice. Okay? Serious. Oh, you may have to unmute. I think I muted a bunch of stuff there, Landon. Get him on. Here we go. Here, here, here. He's coming. He's coming. Hang on. Hang on. It's coming. It's coming right now. Hey, thank you online people for bearing with us, okay? We love you. Thanks for joining us. There we go. Come on. Oh, yeah. Come on. Play some more. Woo. I, I sure wish you could play. Um, now, now here, here's the difference, okay? You need a pick? Oh, no. <laughs> you see, the difference is he's a master. I'm not even a novice, okay? But in his hands, that instrument sings. In his hands, that instrument knows exactly what to do because it yields to the master's touch. Come on. And you, Peter says, you are God's instruments to do his work. And to speak out for him. That's all you got to do. Speak out for him. To tell others. What are you going to tell them? Tell them of the night and day difference he made for you. Tell them how he, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. I was this, but now I'm that. I was there, but now I'm here. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. All you got to do is share what God's done in your life. Tell somebody. Hallelujah. Just tell your story. Tell about the hope that you have. Tell them how you were hopeless, but now you got hope. You, you may not, I don't know how Jonah did it in the belly of the fish. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how Noah got out of the, I don't know. But I do know this. I used to be hopeless. Now I got hope. I, I, I used to wonder about the future, but now I don't wonder anymore. I know where I'm going. 
I know him in whom I believed, and I'm, I'm convinced that he's able to take me where he promised he'd take me. Tell your story. Tell how you were messed up. And then the difference that God has made in your life since you decided to follow him. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And the great thing about being a witness is you don't have to know everything. All you got to do is tell what you've seen and heard and experienced. That's it. I don't know about that, but hey, all I know is what's happened to me. I mean, nobody can take your story away from you. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. Tell your story. Tell your story. As I was reading in, in John chapter 1 today, it's interesting throughout the Gospels, Jesus used a line, and here's what he said. Come and see. Come and see. Follow me. See. See. Andrew was the first one that Jesus called. Andrew went to his brother, Simon. He said, come and see. Come and see. I think sometimes we make things too complicated. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. God says, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. And then those last five words are really sad, but I found no one. Looking for somebody who could just stand in the gap, somebody who could fill in the gap there and, and rebuild the wall and and yet I couldn't find anybody. And I'm asking myself the question, how about us? Are we willing to stand in the gap? Are we willing to share the good news? Are we willing just to tell our story? Are we willing to go when God taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, I got a city that needs you. I got, I got some people that need to hear. There is destruction coming, but I really care about them. I really want them to be saved. I really want them to come in and not have to go through what I see coming. I just wonder if if each of us who are found would just commit ourselves to say, God, I, I'll do that. I'm in. I don't really want it to be about me anymore. I don't want to be Jonah. Definitely don't want to spend three nights in the fish. I I don't want to have to go. I don't want that attitude. I, I just, I want to do what you asked me to do. I want to share the truth that you've placed in my heart. Would you just close your eyes and, and maybe just, why don't you just say yes to him today? Okay, God, I'll stand in the gap. I'll share the message you've given me. I'll tell my story. I'll do what you asked me to do. If, if that's your response, I want you just to slip hands toward heaven today. Say, okay, God, I'm in. I want to be about your business.
I surrender to you today. I want to do what you asked me to do. Lord, I'm willing just to share my story. I'm willing to tell the truth. I'm willing, Lord, to, to give you all of me. So I, I give myself to you today, Lord. In complete surrender. Give you all of me, Lord. Give you all of me, yes I do. Lord, I'll be your mouthpiece. I'll be your instrument. Would you just play through me? Would you sing through me? Would you speak through me? I yield myself. Even to people, Lord, that, that I don't like. Even people that I think really ought to go to hell. Change my heart, oh God. Help me. Help me to be what you want me to be. I surrender all to you. Yes, I do. Lord, I give you me. Give you all of me. All of me. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this room today. I thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives. I thank you for the changes that you're making in our mentality and our understanding. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you're helping us to get the focus off of us and onto those that you're still trying to reach because the time is short. Because the time is short. Because the days are evil and the time is short. Lord, you've called your church to rise up. You've called us to come to a whole nother level and, and not to, to care about us right now, but to look outside to those who are lost and dying. Lord, you're, you're doing something in us to take our focus to the right place. And I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to keep us focused. to things that matter, to things that matter for eternity. Hallelujah. Surround us, I pray. Do a, a deep work in us in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're away from God, or running from Him, or this is kind of news to you that God loves you and cares about you even though you're wicked. You know how wicked you are. You know how nasty you've been. Because the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners and all of us are away from him until we cry out to him and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe that I have new life in you. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you just to cry out to God today. Because Jonah proves to us that if you cry out to God, 
doesn't matter where you're at, how deep you are, how, how low things are going, God will hear you and he'll answer. He hears the cry of those who cry out to him. If you just want to cry out to him today, I want you just to slip a hand up high. We're going to pray together. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, ma'am. Someone else. Yes, sir. I want to cry out to God today. Oh, God, hear our cry. Hear our cry, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you don't abandon us. Thank you that you love us, Lord. You care deeply about us. You sent your son Jesus to die for us so that we could have life. We could have eternal life, life everlasting. You didn't come to condemn us, but you came to save us. And so we cry out to you today, Lord God, save us. Save us, Lord. Save us from our sin. Save us from ourselves. Save us, oh God. Save us. Oh God, thank you. If you raised your hand, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And I thank you that you came to save me. I thank you that you came to change me. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Clean me up. Make me brand new. I declare you, Jesus, are Lord of my life. And I give myself to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Let's just thank him today. Everyone, thank him today. Thank him. Awesome God. None like you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, I pray a hedge of protection around these four who raised their hand. Lord, that you would continue to do a deep work in them. Thank you for saving them from sin. Thank you for delivering them from unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, that you have set them on a brand new path, brand new start. You said if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And, Lord, I thank you for new life today. New life in this house. New life in this body. New life today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you raise your hand, we got a book for you. We got a gift for you. We got a Bible. We got a class you can go to. But stop by the ushers' table back here. There's the little thing hanging on the wall. And uh, make sure the ushers give you one of those books, all right? Tell somebody what God's done in your life. Tell your story, okay? You got a brand new story to tell.